in. Nope. We, yeah, we were live. <laughs> we are live for a new episode of the Check Podcast. I'm Fred Lambert, your host. And as usual, I'm joined by Seth Wintraum. How are you doing this week, Seth? I'm good. All right. Uh, thanks to Ricker and Auto for sponsoring the show this week. Uh, you can check the battery before buying a used EV and monitor your battery performance with monthly insight using Recurrent's free battery reports for EV owners. We're going to have a little bit more to say about Recurrent Auto later on the show, uh, but thanks for sponsoring the podcast. Um, all right. As you can imagine, we're going to jump in today, uh, starting with uh, Tesla's earnings and everything we learned through through the release and through the conference call that followed. Uh, a lot of interesting stuff, but uh, especially with the Earnings themselves that still had uh, another beat, another quite significant beat, really. Uh, for those that have been following, uh, Wall Street was expecting seventeen point six billion in revenue and earnings per share of two twenty six. Tesla came out swinging with eighteen point seven billion, uh, so uh, a full billion more in revenue than what was expected, and a three point twenty two dollars a share non gap um, accounting standard. So another almost like a dollar a share beats, two significant beats on both sides. And uh, if you dive a little bit deeper, uh, well, you, you'll find out that there's the, um, the the thing that the shorts love mentioning is like, yeah, like a big beat and everything. But a lot of that was due to the regulatory credits. Sure enough, Tesla had a big quarter with the regulatory, regulatory credits, uh, $679 million. That's a lot of money. But if you take that out, it was still a record quarter uh, for revenue, still a record quarter uh, uh, for profit, still a record quarter uh, for gross margin. Like everything was a record, even if you remove the credit. So it just was it's just like the, the, what they call it, cherry on top, I guess. And um, yeah, it was weird because this is, this is a huge beat. Uh, I made like a difficult time for the auto industry and everything. The stock shoot up like 10% in aftermarket trading. Uh, or I mean, maybe in pre-market trading, but then throughout the whole day yesterday, it just it almost erased all of the of the gains. So a lot of people just took profit. It looks like, um, but yeah, the, the most significant thing in the earnings, I think, is the uh, the gross margin here. Like you can see, thirty two point nine percent automotive gross margin. If you look at uh, the trend over the last year, so that's up from twenty six point five during the same period last year q1 2021 and throughout the whole last year just went up gradually to this new record of basically 33 percent and um that that's that's big especially in the context and i wrote this article this morning about it to, to explain it because tesla has been increasing the prices during that time and and tesla especially elon directly has been justifying those increases by by saying that uh, it's due to inflation it's due to cost increase it's due to raw materials increase it's due to um what else did he say i mean uh, uh the logistical costs i mean just moving things around the world right now is extremely expensive but this like if you look right now at the earnings at the all-time high, Tesla disclosed specifically um, not just the gross margin but the the profits themselves. What affected them? So obviously for the, for the gross the growth in vehicle deliveries was a plus. Increase ASP, so that's the average selling price. So the the price increases have been helping with the profits, and then reduce cost. Uh, per vehicle, despite infl uh, inflationary pressure, so Tesla has actually decreased its cost during those uh, issues of, of of cost increases. So, 
This does increase the prices and reduce its cost. That's how it achieved this new gross margin record here. It does say that rising material costs and commodities and logistics has negatively affected the gross margin, but apparently not enough to 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 uh, to stop the growth of the of the gross margin because the cost per vehicle has actually decreased. So if it wasn't for material costs going up, Tesla's manufacturing progress and everything have actually compensated enough to keep the cost of per vehicle going down. So that's extremely impressive. But then it warrants asking them, then why are you increasing the cost? Because at the, at the same time, Elon always say that, oh, Tesla's goal is to reduce the cost of electric vehicles and make it more available to more people. Though he's kind of walked away more recently to those comments since he's super high on full self-driving. And I think that's going to be the big <laughs> impact on, on, on cost. But how... Uh, this has become obvious to a lot of people now. Like this is sounds like just corporate greed and, and everything. So Elon uh, felt the need to justify uh, the this uh, logic here of uh, cost going down and price going up and just gross margin going through the roof. And uh, I'm quoting him for the from the conference call on Wednesday night. Uh, actually, on the price increase front, I should mention that it may seem like maybe we're being unreasonable about increasing the prices of a vehicle, given that we had a record profitability this quarter. But the wait list for vehicles is quite long, and some of the vehicles that people order, uh, the, wait list, the wait list extends into next year. So our prices of vehicle ordered now are really anticipating supplier and logistic, logistic cost growth that we are aware of and believe will happen over the next 6 to 12 months. So that's why we have the price increase today, because a car order today will arrive in some cases a year from now. So that's absolutely true, and that's completely fair. Like Tesla has a long backlog of orders, so they're increasing price now on new orders, and those vehicles are going to be delivered in the future. So Tesla's game basically is to anticipate those uh, price increases in the future, uh, those cost increases in the future, I should say, uh, in order to price them into the price today. So that's all true. What the numbers show, though, is that Tesla is not very good at that because <laughs> the cost is still going down and the prices are going up. And that has been the case for the last year. So even though he's might be right and what that's that like, he's right for sure in terms of like, this is what you want to try to do. But he's not right in Tesla being good at doing that because the, the numbers show, show something completely different. Right. And e- even more importantly, on the back end, uh, there's tons of demand and not enough supply so raising the price you know what for one reason or another isn't going to affect their deliveries they can't meet the the demand so they have the flexibility to raise the price it's got to be quite tempting to raise the raise the price because they know that demand's there um so like if they think that it could you know possibly go up prices costs could possibly go up why not raise the price and, and blame mm-hmm. the possibility of mm-hmm. costs going up? That's the problem with, you know, having too much demand and not a supply. Um, it would be nice if like, you know, Chevy and, and Ford and made enough, you know, Ford, Ford ran out of Mustang Mach-E's like this, this week. Uh, Quarter you know, 2020 year. Yeah. Yeah. Chevy's just, you know, ran out of bolts uh, or is just getting their bolts back, back in action. So there's just, there's just not enough supply in the industry and particularly with Tesla. So mm-hmm. it it really doesn't matter like what the prices are going to be. Tesla probably doesn't even know what the prices are going to be. They're just saying 
hey, it could be higher. So and we and we can charge more. So why not? Yeah, that, that that's the core of the issue here. As long as people are going to be willing to buy the cars at those prices, the price is going to keep like that or even go up. And I mean, uh, Zachary Kirkham, Tesla CFO, basically confirmed it after Elon made that comment. He went on to say, if that growth in cost is not materialized, we actually may slightly reduce prices. So are, like they, that, are they going to give back the money that people have been paid, though? For like, <laughs> yeah. No, they're not going to do that. Yeah, they're not going to do that. But also that comment in itself is such a weak comment, like may slightly reduce prices. for. First of all, the prices, they didn't slightly increase. They went up like $10,000 on some models. They went up like 20% on some models. So they didn't slightly increase. So slightly reducing them, if the cost increase that you use as a reason to increase them doesn't happen, that doesn't make sense in the first place. And then he says, may so they might also not incre- decrease them. Um, right. So that, I think that just confirms what you just said. Like the, the real issue is supply and demand. And as long as people are going to be willing to buy those cars at those prices, Tesla's going to sell them at those prices. There's just no way around that. And you know what? I know this doesn't match the comments that Elon had made several times that Tesla is trying to reduce prices of the vehicle and make it accessible to more people. I understand that. But I think, to be honest, if you look at the core mission of Tesla to accelerate the advent of electric transport and renewable energy, it plays into that mission as long as Tesla use those giant profits and reinvest them into capital expenditure in in new factories and increasing production volumes and all that. Because once you have that even bigger economy of scale that Tesla is already enjoying, but on a bigger scale like you got Texas and, and other factories... Uh, you're going to have at one point a bigger opportunity to do the right thing and to start reducing prices. Um, so uh, as long as that keeps happening, and Tesla looks to be doing that, I don't have any evidence that Tesla is, is like, uh, other than when like Elon got the, these giant compensation, compensation plans. And I mean, a, a few right. other people at Tesla are being paid extremely well, but it's, it's, not, it's not like uh, just people are running away with the money right now that uh, Tesla is making. Like uh, uh, Most of that is going into growth, I think. <laughs> I like that I, on the call, I don't know if you caught that, but one of the analysts was, uh, was saying, like, yeah, you guys are making incredible profits right now. Uh, I have to uh, admit, though, that part of that is because we're not uh, paying Elon's compensation plan anymore. That's, that, that went through. And he was like, are you guys planning to do another compensation plan now that uh, the... Uh, the the uh, all the options are, are either vested or exercised, and Elon was like, "No, there's no other plan in, in consideration right now." I mean, look. To be fair, Elon is not drawing a salary from Tesla, uh, so the fact that right now, if uh, I don't know if exactly all of his trenches are, are vested and or exercised, uh, um, I think it might be a, a trillion dollar valuation. Like I think that was the max that in in the last. Um, uh, the last package dated uh, 2018. It's wild. Huh? You remember 2018 when that package came out yeah. and like everyone was like, this is so much money, but everyone was also, but there's no way Tesla grows that day. <laughs> four years later, four years, that's all it took, uh, which is like not that long. Anyway, uh, so it's kind of weird that it, now he's doesn't, he doesn't get paid anymore, but the guy owns 22% of Tesla or something, like 20 or 22%. So I guess that that's incentive enough to to grow the company, but who knows? Maybe there's going to be a new compensation plan coming. I right, what else came out during the? Oh yeah, that was an interesting one. The 
that has a broader implication, I think. So Tesla released this funnel chart here that showed that they had a, a big surge in order rate in net new orders uh, after the day after the Super Bowl. So for those who didn't follow what happened at the Super Bowl, is um, um, there was a lot of electric vehicle ads, like a lot, a lot. And uh, of course, the Super Bowl is known for having these extravagant, super expensive ads that may or may not have a big impact. But in this case, they did. Um, BMW had an ad for the uh, the um, BMW X1. GM promoted, uh, not very promoted specifically a vehicle, but more like its Altium uh, electric platform. Uh, Kia came out with an EV6 ad, Hyundai Ioniq 5. Uh, the Polestar even came out with an ad, like a smaller company. Uh, and then you even had the Wallbox coming out with an ad, which is not even for electric vehicles, literally for, for charging. But it, they, they were all not just like selling a car itself. They were selling the idea of driving an electric. And um, Tesla didn't have an ad, uh, but they felt the impact of it, the, the growth uh, in order rate, like literally more than doubled uh, the average rate uh, on the day after that, which is which is significant, uh, no less. And um, and we reported, of course, that just a few weeks later after that, there was the uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine, the gas prices, and then Tesla's order rate surge again. So from what we are hearing, like Tesla's order rate is just through the roof right now. And that's what yeah, all the price increases included. Yes, that in mind too. I mean, a lot of that was already baked in. So the people who are ordering right now, they are paying big bucks. But yeah, it goes to show that this whole idea of a Tesla killer thing and like, oh, like Tesla is screwed once all the big automakers are, are coming in with their own electric vehicles. First of all, now Tesla is the big automaker, a $300 company making a million electric vehicles a year. But even that, even when a, a GM invests $30 billion in electrification and, and, and put some ad spending behind it, it still helps Tesla. It helps GM too. Like, I mean, the Hummer EV Add uh, what what we heard last time sixty five thousand reservation for it. Um, and was that also before the the, the big review? And uh, I don't remember exactly, but um, yeah, I mean, G- GM is having a lot of demand for the for the GMC Hummer EV. All those other vehicles that I just mentioned already sold out through to the, the end of the year, basically, unless you find some allocation at specific dealerships. Uh, this this is like record high uh, demand for electric vehicles. So if you're turning more people to electric driving, of course, they're going to turn to wherever they can get one. And Tesla right now, even though they, there's a big backlog, you can get one faster uh, than other automakers in some cases. So they, they just went for it. Makes sense. But this whole idea of like, we're all on the same team with electric vehicles. Like the, uh, if, if the, the, if the, uh, some, some one person goes electric, they don't go back. I'm like, we did have a statistic on that at one point that some some of them go back, but we could trace them all back to people that bought like the Fiat 500e or something like that. <laughs> hey, it was the very short range, like the Chevy yeah. Spark EV Fiat 500. Yeah, I think I think like literally like ninety percent of those that came back, which again was like a super small percentage of people that did came back to gas and go, is because they did the bad choice of buying like one of the very early EVs. Not, they weren't necessarily bad, but like they realized, oh, I cannot go on a road trip in a Spark EV. I cannot go on a road trip on a Fiat uh, 500E. But yeah, that was an interesting little chart that they, they put out there and uh, bodes well for, for, for the future and especially the Tesla's approach of not spending money. And do you remember the year before that at the Super Bowl said, 
there was a bunch of electric vehicle ads too. But then uh, I, I don't know, ESPN covered uh, one of the big network that covered the, the Super Bowl. They were um, interviewing all the players, and because there were so many ads for cars there, so they were asking like, "What's what's your car? What's your favorite car to drive?" and everything. And all of them were like, "Say, oh, I love my Tesla, I love my Tesla." So even though even though uh, all of the makers were spending a ton of money last year too, the uh, Tesla still got a bunch of free advertising out of it. Uh, oh yeah, we got some more details about the dedicated robo taxi. So that was uh, something that Elon announced earlier this month at the Cyber Rodeo at the Gigafactory opening, Gigafactory Texas. And uh, he just mentioned at that time, uh, oh, uh, there's going to be a new dedicated robo taxi that's going to look quite futuristic. That was all he. Uh, that was all he said at the time. And now during the call, he added a little bit more color around it. So we're also looking on a new vehicle that I alluded to at the Giga Texas opening, which is a dedicated robo taxi. It is going to be highly optimized for autonomy, meaning it will have, it will not have steering wheel or pedals. There are a number of other innovation around it that I think are quite exciting, but it is fund- fundamentally optimized to achieve the lowest fully considered cost per mile or kilometers when counting everything. So he said later on that um, it's going to be cheaper than even a subsidized bus ticket per mile. And uh, that, that's the goal around it. It's going to be just cost per mile and use it in a robo-taxi fleet. And uh, it's exciting. Another Tesla vehicle. And now oh, he did give a timeline for it. It's likely going to be revealed next year. Volume production in 2024. So that's assuming that Tesla has self-driving in that time too, which is... What do you think about that? <laughs> Chances I, over. I under. mean, I, I do like that timeline better than uh, later this year for sure. <laughs> that yeah. sounds a little bit more reasonable. We're still like, I mean, if that's the end of twenty twenty four, we're still like more than what uh, twenty eight months or twenty eight months or something like thirty months away. Huh. Like that, that you you can. I'm having issue predicting the future 38, 30 months away. That's like a lot of things can happen. Uh, but yeah, my, my main concern about this like, is because there is growing concern about Tesla achieving full self-driving on the current hardware in the vehicle, especially the current, like Tesla has been wrong about that before. Admittedly, they admitted yep. it, like we, the new computers in the 2016 to 2018 cars. Um, now that now Elon is talking about some of the cameras in the earlier models, maybe not being good enough to. So like Tesla has been wrong about the hardware. Now they're saying that they are making a di- like Tesla has Elon has dropped the idea of like oh one million robo taxi by the end of the year or things like that. That's not what he's talking about anymore. He's talking about like oh full self driving beta for everyone in the US by the end of the year. Like okay, like hopefully it's going to be a better beta than it is now, but still. Uh, so now that he's talking about making a brand new vehicle as a dedicated robo taxi, some people are with reason thinking, all right, is this what you're going to actually need the hardware in to achieve RoboTaxi? Because that's what every other automaker is doing, basically, to, to achieve a level four, level five. They are uh, making vehicle from the, not, not from the ground up. I mean, uh, like Waymo is basing it on the, the I-Pace and the Pacifica. And uh, what's the, the Volvo? Is it the Volvo they have? Uh, too, thing. Um, of course, Cruise has the Bolt TV. And, but still, they, they are, it's not a consumer vehicle. That's my point. Which sounds like, that might be. He didn't actually answer that question. Someone asked him directly, like, "Is it going to be a vehicle that people are going to be able to purchase, or is it just going to be a vehicle for like the, the fleets and and whatnot?" And he didn't insert that, but I, I think that's probably what he's talking about here. We it's going to be used in the 
Tesla's version of a Uber app and uh, maybe the borrowing company too in the tunnels. That would make sense. But yeah, yeah you don't you don't believe to you don't believe twenty twenty four said. No way. <laughs> <clears throat> Just based on what where full self driving is, you know, we got a really good comment, and I I know I talked about it in the room, but like mm. this woman commented and she made a really good kind of like you know viewpoint is that we are looking at a long tail of problems that are you know to to get to full self-driving you have to hit all those edge cases Mm. and we're right at the 90 percent i would say or maybe 95 percent but each percentage point that we go is going to be an order of magnitude longer to get there than each previous point. So Tesla's mm. done all the 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 low hanging fruit stuff, the easy stuff. Mm. They um but to get those last bits is going to be even harder than it was to get to where they are now. Yeah. So it just it, it seems like something Elon should know. Like this is Well, actually you know. in the call he kind of admitted that. He kind of admitted that. He, he said that he now that's kind of it's kind of that that is why now he thinks that to to solve for self-driving you need to solve uh general artificial intelligence because uh, right. because if you have that you basically have well a human brain with cameras like a, a, an artificial human brains with cameras which is what the road system is designed for but but like, yeah but then you have to do that <laughs> that's a that's a big thing i mean we're talking about like one of the biggest things in human history you know like to solve your problem like that's it doesn't seem like yeah and i don't think about it. appreciates people's like concern about about that because again he, he said something similar about full self-driving before but now he said it about the optimus robot which of course is going to be one of the application of uh, this uh, solving agi he said that oh I'm surprised that people don't realize the potential of Tesla Optimus and they don't recognize the full value of it, which is going to be bigger than full self-driving and Tesla's automotive business and everything. No one doubts that. Like no no one that has that that has spent more than like, I don't know, like 30 minutes thinking about uh artificial general intelligence and and combining that with the bipedal humanoid robot, how much of an impact that would have on, on, on the world. I like doesn't take a genius to understand that. What Elon doesn't understand is people, that's what people are doubting. People are doubting Tesla achieving that. That's the word the doubt is, and that's perfectly fair. Even uh, I think for like fan of the companies like us, like, that that's where the issue is. And that brings us to our next article about about what came out during the earnings here. Is the Tesla needs to recognize more of like what pe- the co- people's concern and try to address them instead of just like, you guys don't understand our genius here. Like, sorry, I feel like there's a lot of that from Tesla. Like we're geniuses, like just trust us, which is, um, is not what people want to hear, especially when safety is involved and everything. None of that. I think Tesla doesn't take safety seriously. It's just sometimes the, I don't know, there's kind of an arrogance that I don't like. And uh, that that is reflected in in this question that uh, Elon answered, which I was surprised to see it because I, I looked at you know like uh, the, the say technology software that now Tesla used to for investor to ask questions at the earnings. Uh, I looked at it before the earnings, but maybe a day or two before, maybe it was too early before. Uh, I didn't see that question being one of the top voted, but uh, 
Uh, someone asked, uh, is, uh, I'm going to read the full question here for people that get the, the, the context, but Elon has historically provided FSD timelines with not optimal accuracy. <laughs> <laughs> That's an understatement to say the least we love the uh, uh, that's what i hate now like that's how you have to ask elon the question now if you don't want to get blocked like us like you have to just you have to kick uh you have to kiss the behind a little bit before you uh uh you go to the meat of it we love the optimists for 2022 uh release but is there any data tesla can share with investors to help them make their own conclusion on progress being made intervention per mile driven or any other data So I love that that question was asked. I love that Tesla actually pick it to be one of the questions to be answered. But then Elon's response just had me flow. I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised if Tesla doesn't release the data. We've been asking for it for years and nothing has happened. So I wasn't surprised for another no. But the answer was like, no, that's that that that's crazy. So let me let me um I read it here. The best way to reach your own assessment is to join the Tesla self-driving beta program where we have over 100,000 people right now enrolled in that program, and we expect to broaden that significantly this year. So that's my recommendation. Join the full self-driving beta program and experience it for yourself and take note of the rate of improvement with every release. And we put out a new release roughly every two weeks, blah, 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 blah. Take note. We're not going to give you data. Join the program, which is not easy to join. Like you, First of all, you have to have a Tesla. You have to be willing to pay $12,000 for the package or $200 subscription per month. And then you need to achieve a high driver safety score. And even then, I, I, heard, I keep hearing from people that have all of these things and they still don't get the update too. They, they still don't ask to join the program. So there's other requirements that Tesla doesn't talk about that you, you, you don't get to join a program. One of them being probably like the older cameras too. Uh, on your car. So, but the audacity from Elon to say, no, nah, no, we're not going to share the data. You want to know how good FSD is? Buy FSD. Try it for yourself and take note. Like this, this is what I say when it's like, we're geniuses. Just trust us. Like this is the kind of attitude that I guess from that, that I just, I just don't like because, and I reading the comments on the like check on, the, on this article too, like there's 250 comments on this. Uh, I mean, a lot of them are reasonable. Like this guy as FSD, like that's one of the person that says I, FSD score safety 98 and everything. But some of the comments are like, yeah, it's just, of course, Tesla's not going to share data. This is private information. This is like a very important information and everything. No, it's not. Like everybody else share that information. Like I'm just talking about either like disengagement or, driver intervention per mile everybody else share that information it's a good way to track it and also tesla has more miles than anyone else at this point especially for fsd beta miles so like, if it's doing good and if like if there's a few people that are not doing great in the program that may be like too early to to intervene and everything like that like that gets to be diluted when you have millions and millions of miles so I would assume that the data is not looking good at this point if Tesla doesn't want to share it. It's just, it's just that's the only thing I can imagine because if the data was great and they were beating anybody else on it, they would do it. And I do understand that this is not the same thing. So that's the other argument that I hear a lot from Tesla fans. Like, oh, they're just gonna, it's just gonna be clickbait uh, stuff. Like so Tesla going to release that and all the media are going to use it as clickbait and, and blah, 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 blah. Like, look, yes, 
Like the media will use anything as, as clickbait if they can. But for people that have more than two brain cells and they actually want to get into the bottom of things, they, they, will, they will at least get it, be able to do that. And I think that's more important than whatever like BuzzFeed want to do with, uh, I don't want to criticize BuzzFeed for no reason. I don't know what I did that, but like whoever media is going to use it and, and for, for clickbait or whatever. So I don't know. I, I don't, I really don't like that. It's like, I thought that was a bad one. I was, I was a bit uh, shocked on this one. Yeah. It's not like Tesla to hide statistics that paint it in a good light. So the in- inverse of that is that they're probably hiding it because the statistics don't look great. And anecdotally, we know. And prove us wrong. Like, if yeah. it's wrong, prove us wrong and, and share the data. <laughs> right. I mean, maybe maybe, uh, have... maybe that's what we, we should do uh, going forward. Every time we talk about FSD, we, uh, we say, uh, by the way, it's rumored to have the most disengagement per mile of any self-driving program out there. Uh, and then we add the notion, if not, prove us wrong, Tesla. <laughs> we do that until they actually share it. <laughs> like it's uh, we, I call it preventive clickbait. There you go. New, new uh, technology. <laughs> new journalism technology. Obviously, right. I'm kidding, but it, it is frustrating. Uh, I guess, it, look, this, this, so, and, and then if you want to get to the bottom of it, like let, let's assume that we're wrong and this actually has the best data out there and it, it looks great and everything. Then look at Elon's argument itself, like just to, to track progress, just use it and 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 uh, and understand like how good it is. Anecdotal, that's even if it's your own experience, it's anecdotal experience. Uh, it doesn't tell you like it's not like you could I, I could drive my car as much as I can always use FSD beta on it. And prove to anyone that it's good enough to be used without uh, driver supervision. That would never happen. Like there's no regulatory body in the world that would allow that. We need that fleet data. We need all the data pulled together to show how safe it is. And um, if Tesla is not showing that to anyone, it's because it's not there. That's what I assume. And also, if you look at the actual, like my own experience with FSD beta, the FSD beta experience from people that I trust. Because there's a lot of people I don't trust that the way the way they show the, the FSD beta performance, uh, that that that's what it shows right now. But again, admittedly, that's an exp- evidence and not based on millions of miles of uh, data which Tesla has. All right, moving on. Well, one thing we should no. maybe mention is that uh, uh, Ga- Gal- Galley Russell uh, Galileo, yeah, yeah, long long ago, friend of the show. Uh, kind of in the, te- like one foot in reality, one foot in Tesla Twitter. Um, he, uh, he had a little Twitter thread about how he was taking Twitter or sorry, taking uh robo taxi and self-driving kind of out of his Tesla model and, you know, financial model, valuation model. Right. So for me, that was a big deal because, you know, this is a guy who's like very deep into Tesla Twitter saying like we shouldn't we shouldn't expect this to have a material value anytime in the near future based on his but, own experience with fsd beta too that's the right, important part right based on his own experience which i thought was like hey there's there's somebody speaking the truth and of course the thread was like you know half the people were like you know this this 
this guy's finally coming around and the other yeah. half were like traitor you know yeah. so and it's just coming from a guy that vehemently like defended fsd better for a long time like we're talking for people who don't know that the same guy that took down the video after the video uh made tesla look bad in fsd and then he said in the video oh, tesla is asking us not to post the video that make them look bad and then he retracted that and everything like this is this is that guy that is but in that trade he also said that he was thinking about that for months uh he was thinking like that for months and he has not valued Tesla FSD in there. That, I thought that weird because I can find plenty of comments from here in the last few months where he was pretty uh, hyped right. up about FSD. And, uh, but again, a lot of those comments is like tagging Elon Musk, like hoping that Elon sees it and like so he can give him good graces and everything. So, right. yeah, like, that's where I think Tesla Twitter is is worthless these days uh, on that on that front. Um. Speaking of, well, I guess we can use that as a segue for the Tesla Twitter. Well, no, let's uh, let's uh, do a quick ad read before because we have a few more uh, news items, but uh, some of them might take some time though because there are a lot of interesting stuff to discuss. Then we're gonna jump into the comment section. So if you guys have any comments, any question to for us, any subjects you want us to discuss, put them in the comments right now. But we're gonna do a quick ad read for our sponsor, Recurrent Auto. All right. This week, the Electric Podcast is sponsored by Recurrent Battery Reports for reports for EV owners. With Recurrent, you can check the battery before buying a used EV, monitor your battery performance over your entire ownership with monthly insights, then command higher resale values with a battery condition report when it's time to trade in. Recurrent gives people confidence in EV batteries, whether they are the first-time buyer or a long-time EV owner. While legacy combustion engines have 2,000 parts, an electric motor has two dozen. The most important and expensive part of an EV is the battery, and it's literally a black box. Recurrent makes battery performance and expected range over time more transparent. Reports are free for individual owners, and Recurrent also has paid options available for car dealers to run bulk reports. You can sign up for your free report at RecurrentAuto.com or by hitting the link in the show notes. Yes, thank you, Recurrent. All right, I see a few people posting questions. If you have them, uh, that will be the time, but we're going to get to them in like 15, 20 minutes or so. Um, all right, that was uh, kind of a bummer. That came out sort of last weekend, then uh, Elon elaborated over the earlier in the week. But the uh, Tesla mobile connector that used, well, still for now, comes with every new vehicle sold is no more. Uh, starting for a vehicle that were ordered after April 17th, you won't get a mobile connector with it. So for people who don't know the mobile connector, it's this, this little device here that, um, nope, uh, I don't have it in full in, the, in this. But anyway, uh, well, you see it a little bit here, actually. So it's the just a, a connector that uh, nowadays that only a hundred and ten volt uh, connection. But back in the day, it used to be you had all the adapters with it, including uh, the um, two hundred and twenty volt uh, uh, connection, which you can still get the adapter for because so the actual uh, char- charge connector itself supports it. So you you, you could just get the uh, NEMA fourteen fifty adapter and plug it into a dryer uh, outlet or a new 1415M uh, outlet that you get installed in your garage or your driveway. And for the most part, if you have that, you're, you're, you're set on your own charging because that's pretty, pretty much the highest 
charge rate that you're going to get unless you install like a, an 80 amp system. But even that, like you, for the most part, you don't really need that. Um, so Tesla always included that with every car sold so that you get your, once you get delivery of your car, you're, you're set. You have your charging solution. And then if you want a wall connector at home, that the permanent installation for that, you can get that. And, and then once you have that, you can keep the mobile connector since it's, it's name, it's mobile inside your car. And that could be like either like a last minute charging situation or if you get, uh, you have, uh, um, you, you have a cottage in the mountain somewhere or a lake house and you don't want to have a charging uh, solution, invest in a charging solution there. You can just bring that with you and uh, get at least like a trickle charge during the night, which, which is good enough. Or you can be someone like me who works at home and doesn't drive that much during the week, like no more than 100 kilometers or something. And just use that 110 volt uh, in an outside outlet. And you're going to get plenty of charging uh, from that. Like that's basically how I've been charging 80% of my charging session with uh, uh, more than 80% probably, but 80% of my total charging uh, has been done with the regular mobile connector on my Model 3 since I, I got it back in uh, 2018 or something like that. So now uh, Tesla updated its website saying that it's not included anymore. And then Elon came out saying that uh, it was due to low usage that uh, they're, they're not including it in the, the E specifically mentioned um that their usage statistics showed that it has super low uh usage we had our doubts about that when when he, when he said that cuz i would i wouldn't have been surprised if the total amount of charging session on average is low like not the majority of your charging is done with that that would have made sense with me but i think every owner Use it, I, I, just often enough that often enough that it's it's actually a useful charging solution here. Like I said, if you're on the road or especially early in your ownership too, like a, it, sometimes it's hard to get a charging station. It's also hard to get an electrician at your house these days. They're often booked months in advance, so you can get delivery of your vehicle but not be ready for your own charging station. So having that included with a car, even though it again might not be an optimal solution. It's still better than nothing and, and extremely useful. Uh, but Elon seemed to think that the statistic doesn't show that. But then we had the Testascope, which is one of those third-party uh, apps that you can uh, connect to the, well, it's not an API that Tesla has, but uh, they, they share some data with, through the mobile app. And they have access, maybe not to as much data as Tesla, but still a decent amount. And they have thousands of vehicles on their network, hundreds of thousands of charging sessions, as example. And based on their own data, 61% of the sessions were done with the mobile connector. So it's not just like a few critical charging sessions. It's actually the majority of the charging session is done with a mobile connector based on Tesla scope data, which again is not obviously as good as Tesla's, but uh, still from thousands of vehicles and hundreds of thousands of uh, charging sessions. So I thought that was interesting that uh, Elon might be, uh, might be pulling a fast one on us on this one. Yeah, so basically, uh, it's another price increase, right? It's uh, pretty much what another two, two or three hundred bucks uh, to the price of a car because you have to buy an adapter now. Uh, well, that's the thing; they used to offer it with the the adapter for two hundred twenty volt. Now they don't, so it was only two hundred seventy five dollars 
for the one that's uh, just 110 volt with a regular outlet. Now they say that because they're not including it in the car anymore, they're going to bring it down to $200. So whatever. Uh, it's still, but that's not even the biggest problem. Okay. Like you said, it's the price increase on law. They're back ordered. <laughs> so right. what, what do you do then? <laughs> Well, I guess right. they're back order now because they have to to get one still for every car they deliver until they start delivering new cars that have been ordered since last week. Uh, so I, I assume that by that point, they're going to have more availability of it. Do you think uh, them running out was part of the reason why they made the decision to stop including them with cars? Maybe. You know you know what's a big business right now? It's the Tesla's used car business is, is right. huge. You know, and the, so that might be like they need to... Uh, offer it as an aftermarket product for that, and uh, I hear a lot of people don't don't give back their uh, mobile charger when they uh, return the used car. Uh, so, and Tesla doesn't actually account it in the price or anything like that. So they're like, oh, if they're not going to the price, and I'll keep it. It's two hundred bucks, uh, which uh, so maybe that's part of it too, but or at least some part of that fixes supply. You know who's happy about this though? Charge point. Well, ChargePoint and any other charging station maker, like, they're like, yes, right. like the, Tesla owns like 80% of the EV market in North America. Like, and we, I mean, they, they sold some chargers to, 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 to those people for sure, but still not most of the market. Most Tesla owner will, will go with Tesla wall connectors and Tesla mobile chargers. Now it's just going to be a bigger market for them. So I guess Tesla is maybe like just trying to give a, trying to help them out a little bit. That's nice of them. Yes, I'm sure it's a completely altruistic move from Tesla. All right. Let's talk Twitter a little bit. Uh, I know we did a lot in the last few weeks and not much has changed since, but Elon did. Elon proved this week that he actually know the meaning of funding secured because <laughs> this time <laughs> he really did secure the funding, at least for the, the take private attempt of, of Twitter. And I know that he's been claiming that, no, no, I wasn't lying when I said funding secured about Tesla and everything, but he never showed any proof of, of that. In this case, this is this is how you do it, Elon. This is how you show the proof. And he, he filed with the SEC. Uh, basically, it's uh, $26.5 billion in debt finance, financing uh, confirmed from banks. So the banks send them commitment letters saying that uh, he has secure financing for $26.5 billion. And what's why is it relevant to Tesla, other than Elon being behind it, is that, guess what? He's, he is um, putting his share of Tesla in collateral to for those deals, for those $26.5 billion in, in, in debt. Um, he's also looking for partners, but that, it sounds that's more for the equity part of it, which is going to be $21 million of uh, equity that uh, are going to be put in it. Of course, he already has like three... Um, uh, three billion worth of this of Twitter shares, but he's gonna have to put up a lot more money. And uh, some people have uh, estimated that based on this share of uh, Tesla that he sold last year, he probably has about three billion dollar cash right now. So he could participate in that equity raise, uh, and that would make him one like a, a very big owner of Twitter, of course, especially if uh, he's behind the debt financing with the collaterals of Tesla share. Uh, but he needs partner for the rest of that twenty one billion in equity. There's no doubt about it. There's been some name being floated around and everything, but uh, how how is he going to get equity partners when he's already said that making a profit isn't a concern? Well, I mean, Tesla's mission is not to make a profit necessarily, and uh, it's been right. doing great for shareholders. So I assume that just I mean, I, I have very little doubt that Elon's going to have issue raising money after all the success he has at this point. Uh, 
I assume that the idea is like, okay, we're not focused on profit, but if we just in, make the platform so much better, uh, then it's going to grow bigger, of course, and then it's going to be easier to make money. But at the same time, it seems very anti-ads. And of course, most of Twitter's money is coming from ads. I mean, I think if he wants to do what he wants to do, he needs to find a way to get people to actually pay the Twitter blue, the subscription thing. Uh, and that historically has been something super hard to do, like to just pay people to use a, a social media, pay people to use uh, even news. Like if we start charging $3 for, for electric, uh, I'd be curious how many people are going to pay for that. Well, we will be on Twitter Blue pretty soon. So in a way, we we sort of are. What do you mean we're going to be on Twitter Blue? Uh, so we're going to be, if you're Twitter Blue, you see electric without ads. Really? What, like electric, the, the website. When you go to electric.co? Yeah. How? Oh, you do it from, from Twitter. So Twitter is going to share some of their money from their, subscri- their, their subscriber of Twitter Blue with us? Yep. Oh, okay. We'll see how that goes. And if, yeah. and if, if, it, if it is meaningful money, then maybe we'll stick with it. Yeah. Well, I mean, based on how many people come from Twitter to go to electric right now, I don't think it's going to be that meaningful money. Uh, right. Unless they promote you because uh, you're, you're on Twitter Blue program. I don't know how that works. I don't know. All right. Um, so, yeah, so that's the latest on Elon acquiring Twitter. Um, again, that's, it's going to be a hard, a hard thing to do. Like now, it, it does look like he has more money to do it because uh, $46 billion that is apparently secured and funding. So there's, he has room to negotiate with the board a little bit, maybe a, a hike up a little bit his offer. Uh, but with the poison pill uh, that they adopted last week, the week before that, uh, there's going to be there's has to be some negotiating in order to allow that because Elon will own more than 15 percent and and then uh, if that happens it triggers the poison pill and dilute the stock so they have something is going to have to break at one point. Before right, we so, move on to to uh, BMW, I think we skipped over the uh, cobalt free LFP batteries. Oh, okay, yeah, that, cars. yeah, that was uh, kind of an interesting. Um, comment that tesla put in there uh, i mean not as much about like the lfp we know that tesla has been pushing hard about ma- uh, making more cars with lfp it's uh of course cobalt free nickel free and uh, it's uh, enables them to have then more nmc uh, nickel based batteries for the higher energy density vehicles but what's interesting with that is that tesla confirmed that nearly half of the vehicle that they delivered last quarter added FP batteries, which gives us some kind of insight into the mix of models that they have because only the Model 3 standard range and the Model Y standard range, but again, the Model Y standard range is only the one in China. Tesla doesn't sell the Model Well, I guess now you have the 4680 uh, out of uh, Texas, but that was not any meaningful uh, level of deliveries like last quarter. Uh, that Those two models alone, that means a Model 3 standard range sold around the world, built in Fremont, uh, and China and Shanghai and the Model Y standard range both Shanghai accounted alone for half of Tesla's delivery last quarter. So that's uh, an interesting tidbit of information here. Yeah, so that means a lot of the stuff coming out of Shanghai was LFP, but it also means a lot of the stuff coming out of Fremont was LFP, right? Mm. Which might be Chinese batteries coming out of Fremont right. LFP. Like you know, we cannot confirm it, but that's what it sounds like. And um, 
that that, mm. that might you know that's something to keep an eye on because we know the Chinese U.S. relations and whatnot. It's it's always a little bit uh, a bit of tension there, and 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 things can change. So something to keep an eye on for sure. All right, uh, BMW unveiled the i7 this week. So BMW had kind of been on fire after 10 years of no electric vehicles. Now they come out the i4, the iX, the i iX3, i7, and then uh, just a few weeks ago they had the i3, uh, but that was Chinese uh, China only, unfortunately. But we did note with the i3, like BMW was going with something different, where like, they, they always had. I mean, not the, since the BMW i3, I wouldn't say that they've been completely weird mobile, the, the weird mobile design, but they always have some design accent that they, they put on their electric vehicles that are a little bit polarizing. Mainly those those classic like kidney uh, grill that they call in the front, they elongate them for the electric vehicles and it's been very polarizing for people. The i3 looked a lot more like a classic 3 Series. Uh, the new i3, I should say, like the, the i3 in China, the, the, the three series electric vehicle that they're selling in, in, in China. And uh, we're seeing something very similar with the i7. And sure enough, they are launching the i7 as part of a new generation of the 7 series BMW. So their flagship, uh, the flagship sedan. But the i7, the electric version of it is uh, is stealing the show, really. Uh, actually, it's, it's going to be at first uh, later this year. It's going to be the only version available in Europe. Uh, though when it comes out in the U.S. later, it's going to be made available with a, a gasoline and a, and a hybrid version. And then there's going to be plug-in hybrids coming out uh, later in 2023. Uh, but it's a good-looking car. As There's still some design action, a little bit more electric to it. Like though You can see the back. They have to have all those blue things on it. <laughs> uh, big battery pack, 101.7 kilo, kilowatt hour in there. It's good enough for 625 kilometers of range on the WLTP standard. And Thanks BMW to actually share this time the EPA, which is, European automakers don't always do, but they're expecting up to 210 miles of range, uh, which so. is it, it's good. It's not great efficiency on a 101 kilowatt battery pack for a vehicle that size, but uh, it is a fully loaded car. Like this is like a, like ultra luxury vehicle, so it's not always that efficient. Uh, 109, uh, 195 kilowatts up to 195 kilowatts of uh, DC charging capacity. Uh, so you know it's it, it's good. It's uh, over 150 that uh, lower end vehicles uh, have, not necessarily like over like 250 like some of the uh, like the Porsche and Tesla Model Three and whatnot are, are getting. But still, uh, it's a decent charging speed, and uh, you can uh, get uh, dual motor with a dual motor powertrain. You, you get uh, 400 kilowatts, 554 HP of uh, total capacity, total power capacity. So decently peppy vehicle there's going to be a higher performance m series m version i don't know do they say m series or just m version yeah it's m version of the seven series so this is a luxury sedan and like a lot of the of the in the interior is designed around passenger being driven kind of situation uh so you have these luxury like captain seat they have this giant 32 uh not 31-inch uh, screen that pops out behind uh, the, the two front seats, especially for the passengers. And they say that that comes with Amazon Fire TV. Does that, <clears throat> does that come down while you're driving, or does that have to be something you do while you're parked? 
because that that would be great for the kids probably, but like you can't use the rear view mirror anymore, for instance. Yeah, <laughs> but now nowadays everything has the those little uh, back cameras. I assume that you right. just you just go from that. Not, so this not is a, a com- competitor to the EQS kind of thing, right? Yeah, EQS, Model S, uh, those, yeah, those kind of. EQS. And why does this thing? So if you look at it, it looks like it has a huge, uh, fr- like front uh, bonnet, I guess. Like it, I couldn't get a picture. What, what is of the there? Wrong. Yeah, I couldn't. Like what is under picture. that thing? There's no Maybe battery storage trunk. there. Maybe a big. Yeah, trunk. huge trunk. <laughs> It looks Dude, good in black, though. Like I like it. So, yeah, it's good look. Kind of um, a bit reminiscent of like the '90s uh, BMWs and early 2000, like yeah. the squarer front hand, strong looking. Black on black looks good and actually hides a little bit of the controversial kidney grill. But again, it's less controversial. It's not elongated like the like the ones on the iX, for example. That I know right. that people hate that one. Um, it makes it a little bit more sense. You see it more on the here with the gray beige version of the car. So yeah, this is coming out uh, later this year, around November. I think it's going to be in dealerships. They haven't released the price, but I think it's going to start over a hundred thousand dollars. Then you have yes, the EQS, uh, but the SUV version that was unveiled this year, also coming later this year in the US in 2022. Uh, Nothing too crazy here. If you're familiar with the EQS, this is the same car, but in a in a SUV form factor, uh, which of course is a bit more popular here in the US than uh, than the sedans. So here, what it looks like, um, very similar to the EQC, really, uh, just a bigger vehicle. the The EQS design does translate pretty well, though, to a to SUV. I, I did see a lot of comments though from people like, "Yeah, it looks like a minivan and everything." Like, yeah, yeah, it's very plain. The yeah. Mercedes EQS as well. Like people yeah. say, it looks like a Honda Accord. Yeah, a lot of people say not that. not a not a compliment. Not a compliment. Yeah, I mean, you, 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 I think there's been like kind of a switch, like between the, like the luxury vehicle and like the lower end of the market. Now you have like even Toyota and like with the Harav Four. Uh, Hyundai, that their vehicle, like they look sharper. They look like the uh, the lower end of the market has gone like a little bit more extravagant, while the the luxury end are like toning things down, making more classier and whatnot. Uh, you have a seven seater configuration on the 450 plus version and the formatic version. If you want to go with the uh, five, uh, no, that, that's the sedan version. Okay. that'll be popular. Yeah, seven seat, yeah. <laughs> seven seat uh, uh, EVs are. Few and far between. Mm-hmm. You can get with uh, dual motor or a rear rear axle motor, just a single motor. Um, what else is interesting in there? Oh, it's a lot and shorter than range. the. It's five inches shorter than the sedan, but uh, two inches wider, and of course, almost ten inches uh, higher. It is an SUV after all. Exact same wheelbase, exact same battery pack, and everything. Oh, they put the main competitor in there. Yeah. Hmm. Tesla Model X, BMW iX. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Uh, they haven't released the range yet. Uh, the top speed, 0 to 60. And the MSRP, of course. Which, uh, I don't know, is it going to be more expensive than the EQS, which starts at 125 Uh, I would say similar price. Yeah. 
All right. Well, that's it for the EQS coming out later this year. Let's jump into the comments and the questions. All right. Uh, scrolling up here. Uh, let's start with Bike Angels. Angelus. Question. Rivian warning about battery supply is troubling for mass EV deployment. How unprepared is the automotive industry to supply batteries needed for millions of low-cost EVs? I mean, that's that's the billion-dollar question, really, right? Yeah, I mean, how unprepared is it? It's more. It's, it's not as much as about how unprepared they are to when they started preparing. Like, uh, you know, you know how it's been. Like, uh, we've been joking about that actually for years. Like the the gold standard of like how EV adoption is going to roll out has been like the Bloomberg NEF uh, uh, annual report that they came out and the. Every year they were always like, okay, it's going to be like 10% in 2030. And it's going to be 15% like the next year to 15% in 2030. The next year it's going to be 20% in 2030 and, and so forth. And uh, from what we've been hearing from the legacy automakers, they were following that pretty closely. Some of them were even like, oh, were more conservative than that. Um, and uh, we, of course, we've always been extremely aggressive on that front. And we think that by 2030, is not a lot of people that are going to want to buy a, a non-electric vehicle. So, more recently, a lot of them have shifted towards that. There's been a shift. But for most automakers, that shift happened in the last year, literally, to the last maybe like three or four years from some of the more open-minded, let's say, automakers out there, legacy automakers. So for those guys, like depending, like if it was four years ago that you did it, you're not going to be too bad. You At least you're going to be, your supply chain is going to have those requirements and those uh, relationships being built with those suppliers for a longer period of time. Uh, you're going to be a, a higher volume, going to be secured. You're still going to have issues. There's no doubt. There's still going to have issues because look, the, here Bike Angeles is referencing what uh, uh, Riven CEO or Jace Carrens said that the the upcoming battery shortage is going to make the chip shortage look like an appetizer. And there's everyone got screwed by the chip shortage. Giant companies uh, that uh, have been in the business for decades has been, uh, have um, been impacted by the chip shortage. So that's the thing. A lot of people are going to be impacted to different level with the battery shortage, depending on how prepared they were uh, over the last few years. And then, of course, you have to, like the idea of Tesla. Tesla been thinking for like 30 years. that well, well, no, They've been around for what, like 20 years? They've been thinking for like 20 years that all the two vehicles are, all vehicles are going to be electric by 20, all new vehicles are going to be electric by 2030. Or at least that was the goal, really. So they've been preparing for it. However, it's not like they have a 20-year advantage over people because they didn't have the credibility with the supplier, didn't have the, the financing, didn't have the money behind it until more recently. So I don't think Tesla's going to have like the giant advantage over everyone, just a, a decent advantage over everyone. And then it depends on everything else, just how willing they are to, to put the money where the mouth is. And we're seeing it from like company with GM, what they did with uh, LG and all those uh, factories that they're building, Ford with SK, with the Oval, like Volkswagen for years, they, they, they have like intricate relationship with battery suppliers and the invested heavily in Nordvolt. Uh, so there, there are deals that are make things op- hopeful, but in terms of the rush supply, because because there's a there's so many layers to it. That's the issue. Like uh, there is there is a material aspect to the chip shortage, but it, it's mainly the manufacturing cap- capacity that's been the issue. Um. 
so there's the there's the same thing. It's the same thing with batteries, but on the supply side of the raw materials, that there's a big concern in that too. So the companies have to to dig deep in their pockets and be willing to finance uh, some uh, new mining operation and do some offtake agreements and everything like that. And we're starting to see that. Uh, we're starting to see it. Elon did mention during the call that uh, we should expect in the next few months some exciting announcement on that front. So I expect Tesla to, I don't know, um, announce Mining. new... Yeah, I don't know how intricate it's going to be, if it's going to be like direct Tesla mining operation or if it's going to be new offtake agreement. Like we, Because we, we've been seeing a lot more of those from Tesla lately, offtakes agreement, uh, which is, is a good way to get things moving. But Tesla hasn't been super successful so far with it. Like you go back to some of the earliest one for lithium, like Pure Energy Metal, for example, they had an offtake agreement with Tesla in 2016 and the project hasn't moved along a lot. Uh, so they sometimes they work, sometimes they don't work. Um, but, uh, may, may, I don't know. I, I know that Tesla has been hiring people in Canada to, uh, uh, some, some, uh, geologists and some mining experts. So maybe, maybe they want to buy a company that, uh, or something like that, like that, that, that could, that would be exciting to me if they, if they buy a mining company that has re- already has operation around the world. And uh, they they just make accelerate like just use their talent just and then accelerate all the plans with financing and uh, and leveraging their uh, expertise. That I think that that would get things moving and get competitor moving too. All right, he's got a follow up question. Where would you invest today, anticipating this battery shortfall that Rivian is predicting? I mean, the easy bet is going to be the the big the 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 big manufacturer, like the the safe bet, I should I should say, because uh, those companies are going to benefit no matter what from 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 those uh, increase in demand. Uh, of course, the big money is like investing in a junior company, and then boom, the project actually works, and uh, they get financing from it, and they reach production. Then you can make those like what every junior miner investor wants to make, like those. 100x 1000x return but those are risky like for every one of those that you're going to make you're going to lose your money on on on, a, on another uh so uh, a, a good bet right now and again i'm not a financial advisor and you should do your own due diligence and everything i'm big on veil right now uh i know they had their issues uh with their safety in, in brazil and everything and, and that's definitely a big concern uh, but they did pay for that uh pay uh, handsomely for it too not that i think that any kind of life as a monetary value attached to it but uh unfortunately in a capitalistic world if you make a company pay billions and billions of dollars they're going to be more careful about it next time <laughs> it's just how it works um but uh, they do they are one of the world's biggest producer of nickel uh which you're going to do for that they are one of the worst producer uh of iron which is going to be a lot for that uh they do have some uh, manganese though though they are selling off some some of that uh, and I mean, the other big business is coal, but they're divesting for, from coal. So that's why I'm willing to invest in them. And uh, they're making profit head over heels with the current pricing. I think they have a dividend of like 10% right now. It's just it's just crazy. So I think that's a good investment. But other big company like BHP, too, uh, interesting. Uh, what's the Chile one? SQM. Though I like them a little bit less because they have a lot of money in agri- agriculture, and I, and I don't know that as much. Like they have fertilizer and that, all that. I don't. I just mm. I like I like to invest in things that I, I know. And some of those big companies, that's a problem. They are diversified a little bit. Um, then and there's a, a bunch sub, of you have a sub stack for this stuff, though. 
Yeah, you guys can check out my Substack. I do uh, post some of those uh, investment idea in it. And I, I'm going to, I, I'm just so, I, I don't like, there's some junior companies that I like, but I don't like recommending those because they're so risky. Like it's a hit or miss type of thing. Uh, but may, maybe what I should do is like, I uh, just post a bunch of, of of them and like you guys do your own due diligence on those and uh, see the ones that you're more secure with because I, to get a mining project up and running, it's just, it's not just money. There's just so many things that needs to lined up. All right. Uh, <clears throat> moving on. Here's one I can probably talk to a little bit. Chad Roback says, question, where can I get a bidirectional charger for Chatamo for off-grid installation? Seems like there are just mail lists, but no actual products. And I definitely feel that, uh, you know, a frustration because, you know, I was, I was actually trying to get a, uh, thing for my car that I could charge like I would be able to charge the car via Chatamo, the Tesla, the Chatamo adapter. And then I was hoping I could also get power out of the car, even though that you know Tesla doesn't do that. But I wanted to get a Chatamo adapter that went both ways in case, you know, in the future. Unfortunately, because Chatamo is kind of dying out, um, not a lot of new products are being built. Um, one product that was supposed to hit consumers and really didn't roll out too much is the um, Wallbox Quasar One, and that's Chatmo. was It was supposed to be built for the Nissan Leaf and the uh, Mitsubishi Outlander, which is also Chatmo. Um, and you know, we we got we got lots of hype about it, but it never never really came off the shelves. I think I found one YouTube video with a woman from a British power company that was using it. Um, but, you know, maybe call them up and they can hook you up with stuff. I would go on eBay. That's kind of where I was searching. Um, obviously, Japan is a uh, big place for Jatamo yeah. going both ways. So brush up on Japanese, try to find some uh, stuff at eBay.jp, perhaps. Um, you know, some shipping charges. There's also a company called SeaTac that's got a lot of charging uh, interesting stuff like that. So, uh, good luck there. But I, you know, I don't know how much longer Chatmo is going to be important. So, might want to hurry up and find that that part mm-hmm. or abandon ship. All right, moving on. Ian Vosper, I saw my first review this week. The interior blows Teslas away. the 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 ocean, the light one, is a little. It's really mm-hmm. nice. Um, question, how does Elon feel about RJ Scaringe and Rivian having beaten him to market with a fully electric pickup? Somehow, I think Elon's not really too stressed out about it. Yeah, I mean, Doesn't he did make like a few comments about uh, them. Uh, I think he's, he's stretching a little bit thin. Like, you know, they're, when they announced their Georgia factory, they were like, oh, you guys should figure out the first one first. Right. Um, which I mean, it's a fair, it's a fair point. Uh, sure. I, I, but also there is advantages of like uh, they made they made the deal in Georgia and they're gonna spend the capital expenditure on there, like gradually and learn from Illinois. Bef- like try to like make as many mistakes as possible in Illinois and to not repeat them in, in Georgia. So I get I get it from the Rivian standpoint too. Um, Apparently, there's like uh, uh, some of the locals in Georgia aren't happy about a, a plant going in. And it ranges everywhere from, you know, the normal complaints about like, hey, this is a quiet little town. We want to keep mm-hmm. it this way. We don't need all this, you know, 
commerce going on. But there's also some weird stuff going on where, like, I guess Soros owns some part of Rivian and, like, all those weird conspiracy theory type things are happening there. So uh, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't know that Soros owned part of Rivian. I don't even think he does. I think it's, (laughs) it's like, one of those things. All right. Uh, Bike Angelus is back with another question. Used EV prices are very strong, sometimes higher than new due to limited availability. When do you expect to see EVs in ample supply for buyers to purchase without long wait times? Depends on what you mean by long wait times, but I think that uh, I think the demand is going to outweigh the supply for the next uh, 10 years. Yep. I was going to say something long like that. Um, I I just don't think that people, I don't think that the the major automotive manufacturers to this day understand how big the shift is going to be, how quick Mm -hmm. it's going to come. And, you know, we're right in the middle of it right now. We're probably like in the eye of the hurricane, but like, I feel like, you know, Chevy is going to keep putting out, you know, Silverado's and, you know, other gas, you know, in, in, internal combustion Silverados. Yeah. And I just, it doesn't seem like they get it. Like, you know, if I was Mary Barra, I would, I would be like, all right, we're, we're going full EV shut down the, you know, but you know. Yeah. I've been, I've been in the South for the last few weeks and I, I've been driving the Mustang Mackey and I've been talking to a lot of people. Of course, people ask me questions and everything. And, a lot of people that back in the day are like, all right, an electric car, you, know, you have to, to plug it in. Well, that's cool. And then and people that like wouldn't care much about it. Now they are a lot more uh, interested about, oh, yeah, like, so, so you don't, you doesn't, you don't pay gas. How, how much does it cost? Like, uh, like a, a lot of people ask me, and normally people don't, that's not one of the first question they ask. It's like, how much does it cost to, to charge it? I'm like, well, I just went, uh, got like 250 miles at, uh, at your farm station and it cost me like 12, 15 bucks, something like that. Like 12, 15 bucks. Oh, wow. Like that's like a fraction of what I just paid for my thing of gas. A lot of people are asking those questions right now. It's people that before wouldn't have given a second, second, a second thought on electric vehicles. Yeah. The gas prices have yeah. certainly sped things up. All right. Uh, back to comment. Twitter purchase will not quicken the adoption of electric vehicles and sustainable energy system worldwide. Elon needs to focus up. That's a good yeah. point. Uh, but Elon Zelon, you get you get the good with the bad. Uh, question: Can you guys shave and wear suits for an episode sometime? Hmm, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know why, but I just love to see you guys look more professional. Either way, keep up the great work. Come on, man! It's Friday afternoon. <laughs> yeah. Not only that, like we, you need to understand how much we work through the like it, we. It, I, I don't want to spend one more time like just shaving the morning or, or, or getting myself dressed up. Like I prefer just if we're able to do what we're able to do now is because like we, we are like just researching and writing all week about electric vehicles. And we wouldn't be able to. Yeah, maybe if you go to the auto, if you go to the New York auto show this weekend, I'm going with my kids. Maybe <laughs> As if you're going to go with the suit and shave it. <laughs> maybe I'll have a button down. I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember ever seeing you with a button down, sir. That's right. Well, it'll be a nice hoodie anyway. All right. <laughs> Greg Greg says, question, how can Tesla accurately report FSD beta disengagement rates? Question, I stopped using it in cities because it's dangerous. So my disengagement rate is lower than it was before I stopped. Yeah, I mean, that's 
That's yeah, I mean, if it. you could differentiate the mileage between highway mileage and city mileage, that would be useful. But look, I mean, anything is better than nothing right now. It's just that's, that's right. true. All right, question. In the coming years, what legacy automakers are best positioned to survive the electric revolution? Yeah, we did that question a lot. I mean, we have all different uh, answers for that, but I think we both agree on Volkswagen. Uh, the, thanks to really, it's crazy, but thanks to Dieselgate that like that, just uh, had them pull the trigger on electric sooner than a lot of people. And having Electrify America helps them a lot. Like having uh, having Nordvolt uh, also being a big investor in Nordvolt. Uh, but other big ones, I mean, it, any other than than Volkswagen, I'm like, I, I could put like a ranking of one who I think would be have better chances. But all other Volkswagen, there's no one I can confirm that I think they will for sure survive it. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, all right. What is your best guess of volume Cybertruck production by the end of 2023 or 2024? Question mark. 2024. Okay. If yeah, production same. start at some point in 2023, generally it takes about Tesla 12 months to reach volume production. And even that with the Cybertruck might be more difficult because of different manufacturing technique with the exoskeleton and whatnot. All right. And then I guess a follow up is what are the odds of the major OEMs going bankrupt in the next five to eight years? I think pretty good chances uh, that some of them do. I, I want to say like 99.9% probably. Yeah. I mean, you know, something like Mazda seems like yeah. inevitable. All right. Econcept says, question I'm Swedish, but currently living in Argentina, which is an EV desert. You think Tesla will ever build a gigafactory for the Latin American market? And if so, when? Thanks for the great podcast. Good question. Yeah, that's a good question, and I feel you, man. I've I've heard a lot of questions from people in Latin America, from Brazil, people from uh, uh, Chile, and people are now you from Argentina. And it, historically, automakers haven't been as willing to uh, expand the lineup there. So now we're just feeling the thing, the same thing, but for electric vehicles. And uh, this is always the chicken and egg problem. Like, oh, but like you, you need to have like the charging networks there and a the charge network I've been developing there too. Uh, so you, you're going to need actually a Tesla, a company like Tesla to just like take over the market and like just, oh, we're going to invest in a supercharger network there and we're going to bring the dumb in there. And um, I don't know about like Gigafactory just yet. Uh, I think we're going to see like, like a Tesla in every market they're going to export. But uh, first, I mean, so if you're actually talking about like uh, a gigafactory in Latin America, if you want a timeline for that, I would say maybe by the end of the decade. It's fair. And then, you know, there's VW is quite big in South America. Yeah. They 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 have the ID3, which would probably be popular mm -hmm. there. Um, and that iLife concept uh, would, would be popular there. The bus, yeah. all that stuff. All right. Uh, that is all for the questions today. All right. Thanks a lot, everyone, for uh, listening to the podcast this week. If you like the show, please give us a thumbs up. Uh, that, that tickles the algorithm. And uh, then if you uh, are listening on your podcast app, if you can give us a five-star review, that helps the show more than you can think. And we appreciate it every time. And um, thanks a lot for Ricker and Otto for sponsoring this episode of the Electric Podcast. We're going to see you same place, same time next week. Have a good one.